left her little body behind and went to be with Jesus. She was 10 and a half years old, exactly on the day. Um, and uh, I had the extraordinary privilege of being in the room during the hours before she left and then during the hours after she left the planet um, and journeying with the South family before and after that. And so today is the one year anniversary of Bella's death. And, um, and so it's a hard day. It's a hard day uh, on, on many, many, many levels, just as far as it concerns Bella's story, because you're celebrating the wonder and beauty that was her story. You're celebrating what God did in her, what God did through her, what God did in all of us because of her. Yeah. You're celebrating what the gospel uh, expansion was because of her life. You're celebrating the kingdom of God and its expansion because of her life. I mean, there's so much. Right. And you are grieving emptiness and loss and space that she should be filling, the, the emptiness of the lack of her laughter, you know, all, all those things. But in all of that, in the midst of all of that, what struck me uh, was, again, Bella's extraordinary, unique ability to find in the midst of the most horrific of circumstances, a, just a sense of like, this is the best day ever. Like, that's why the shirt says best day ever on it. Literally, Bella the, Bella the Brave, best day ever. And, and I, when she specifically made that quote, best day ever, it was on a terrible, terrible day. Like, it was a terrible, 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 terrible day. And, and, she, and something had happened, something very, very small. And she's like, this is the best day ever. Um, and so I remember specifically uh, the, uh, about two days before she died, um, she was suffering a great deal. Uh, and she was on very, very high levels of medication because they were trying to comfort her physically. But, I mean, even with all those medications, oh, yeah. it was very, 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 very difficult. So she was very loopy. Um, and I was with her in the room, and I was just leaving, and, uh, and Bella stopped me. She kind of sat up out of her grogginess, and she said, Mr. Renault, you can't leave yet. And I walked over to her, and, and she picked up this little toy, and she held it in her hand, and she looked up at me and she said, uh, it has disappeared. And so I said, Bella, where did it go? And she raised her little hand and, and uh, told me to come down. I, I leaned down and she put her hand up next to my ear and she went, there it is. And she pulled it out of my ear. Um, and, and I was, man, I was like, oh my gosh, Bella, that's amazing. How did you do that? And I remember she said, uh, a magician never reveals their secrets. Um, and then uh, we, we, we talked a little bit about that. And, and at, the, at the end of that, she, she leaned forward and, and, and did this with her little hand and, and said, um, uh, you're, you're welcome. And, and just this kind of like bowing down, like uh, uh, taking the applause, you know. And, and here's this little girl in, in the middle of circumstances that make everything about our lives sort of feel a little like, yeah, easy. Yeah. Um, and, and finds a way to transcend the circumstance as far as its impact on her well-being. Mm. Every reason for her not to be well. Mm. And she was well. Mm. That, that's why the song, not, It Is Well With My... physically. No, right. no. That is why the song, It Is Well With My Soul, uh, was such a beautiful part of her story. And we sang it at, at her uh, life celebration. And, and uh, because Bella embodied this strange space in which she was able to say, it, it is well, even though it is not well. Mm. 
And so it's been begging the question for me today and, and this last week and in the weeks to come, uh, how do we find ourselves in the circumstances of our particular day to day, both on a grand scale, the, the politics of our world, the, the struggles of racial reconciliation and the ins and outs of all of that, and the struggles of uh, the realities of COVID-19 and, and, and its surges and not surges and its dangers and not dangers, I mean, all that. And then uh, fires, wildfires because of a lightning strike that are going to burn my friend's house down potentially, or uh, the moments where a, a child is hurt or a diagnosis is received. Today, many people will be in doctor's offices today and receive diagnoses that are very, very scary, very scary. Um, how do we enter into these spaces and, and neither pretend that they're not real, like escape them, like with some kind of spirituality that's like, I always say, pixie dust, you know? Right. God is good, which he is, but we use it like a... Like a spiritual band-aid. Yes, like a spiritual band-aid. How do we not escape the reality of the struggle? My friends are grieving and feeling anxious about their home potentially being burned down. Um, today we are grieving the loss of Bella. Uh, we are we are anxious to an extent of COVID nineteen because it does give us some reason for anxiety. You know, there, there, there's these realities. We we fight to voice our opinions about politics because it does matter that we vote, and it does matter because it does have implications. So th- these things are real, and they have real impact on us, and we should live in that reality and and, and emotionally walk through that. But how do we do that without our well-being being founded on or dependent on which way these circumstances go? So you're talking a lot about like the circumstances we're finding ourselves in today. Like this is our current cultural climate. And the reality is for the last 2,000 years, every Christian has, has faced yeah. some circumstances. And every generation of Christians face different circumstances. They face a different uh, reality, different geopolitical climate, a different, um, you know, uh, world disaster that may take place, whether it was a plague or whatever it may be. There were different wars and different, um, you know, uh, leaders and, and political leaders and, and different people um, that were causing circumstances or different realities that were causing circumstances in the yep. lives of Christians. And that has happened for 2000 years. And, and I think that, that, um, that song, it is well with my soul. And, and the story of that song is just amazing. Um, it was written by, uh, Horatio Spafford and, and he, he starts off this verse, uh, this first verse, um, when peace, uh, like a river attendeth my way. Um, so it's like when things are really, really good or when sorrows uh, like sea billows roll. So he's kind of giving both, mm-hmm. you know, whether I'm at perfect peace or I'm, my, you know, I'm absolutely um, in sorrow right now, like sea billows rolling. He says, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And so this, this is, he's describing the reality that, that all of us are, are given to some extent a lot. And I think that's very different than our general American perspective that mm-hmm. says, I create my own lot. That's right. Um, I work hard. I create my own world. I create yep. my own destiny yep. through hard work and perseverance yep. and, and all of that. But there is a reality that there are some things that are very much beyond our control. And yep. I think 2020 has just been... It's just, it just shown that over and over again. Over and over again. That no matter what we do, sometimes... 
sometimes the circumstances of this world are beyond us. And we always, we always typically discover that when something occurs that we were not expecting that has negative implications. So a, a car accident, a disease diagnosis, a, a COVID-19 reality, an econo- economic crash, yeah. these kinds of things that we're going along, going along, building and, and doing everything we need to do to create well-being. Right. And then something from the outside comes in and, and unravels that. So let me ask you a question. Um, I've, you know, been walking alongside of you for a lot of years. And I know um, that as the lead pastor of this church, you've walked with people through a lot yeah. of things. And I know that you've walked through a lot of things in your own story. Sure. Um, you know, uh, I, I uh, whether it's been through the adoption journey and yep. seeing hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. And then uh, after how many years did it take? Was it almost four? Yeah. Uh, four years of being yep. able to bring those children here. And, um, you know, whether it be through, um, you know, starting Oxum and seeing that story unfold in, in ways that have been beautiful and awesome and incredible and things that have been tried and you've had to rework mm-hmm. and, and rethink or, or things at Mosaic that have been hard and, and difficult over time. What is it? So, you know, Horatio Spafford says that, that whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say yep. as well. What is it for you um, yep. that has taught you yep. personally to say that in yep. your own story, but is also what, 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 what I bring I, to the table? Yeah, what do you yeah. bring to the table in that in moment right after I've gotten the diagnosis or my child has fallen into the pool or yep. uh, my house is about to be burned or yep. God knows who's going to be the next president? you know, this election or the next election, like how, how do we walk through this life and say it is well with my soul in the midst of circumstances that are often, uh, more like sea billows than peaceful rivers. That's a great question. And I, you know, I, I think as a starting point, um, I would actually speak to something we shouldn't do, um, that will typically be thought of as a spiritual, um, uh, win in this, but in that song, I have often uh, seen people, and I have often, even in my past, done this myself, is used that kind of lingo to separate the here and now to the eternal. What I mean by that is to say, it's terrible now, but it is well with my soul, meaning at least someday it'll be fine with my soul. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that was even what he was trying to say. He was actually trying to say that the gospel narrative, the gospel story, gives us reason not only to have hope for our future, but reason to be content in our present. Mm. And, and that's a, that's a big, there's a big difference th- than saying, though sea bellows roll now and it's terrible now, at least in the future it'll be well with my soul. That's one way of looking at it. That's right. not what the gospel affords us only. It does afford us that. It actually gives us reason to say, at least in our future it's going to be awesome. But it also, in addition, affords us, and even though circumstances here and now are not awesome, it is well with my soul now, like, like not just because my soul's going to be well, but it, I can be well now. So that's the next line. Yeah. That's the yeah. next verse. So, and this is one we actually don't sing very often in church. Um, I'll talk with Zach about that. But um, there you go. It, the next verse is, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control. Yep. I love that. Though Satan should buffet, we're being attacked yep. um, by the enemy. Though trials should come, this world that we live in is going to 
to bring trials and tribulation, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless state and has shed his own blood for my soul. That's right. Um, so he's, he's talking about this gospel yep. and that, that this, this assurance of that gospel controls here and now, not just in the future. Yep. So when my anxieties start rising or my thought processes start down that path of if X becomes true, mm. then we'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Or if Y becomes true, then we're not. Whenever I find myself traveling down, and an election year is always helpful to stir those thoughts up, right? right. If they become president, it's over. Right. But if they become president, it's fine. And literally, you'll hear that language. Right. You'll feel that. You'll believe that on some level. And just like with everything else in life, depending on who becomes president or depending on what the diagnosis is or depending on whether the person lives or dies or depending on whether the, the, the hurricane comes to our city or, or misses our city, does have implications. All yeah. those things have real implications. Sure. And I'm certainly going to be hopeful for the set of circumstances that are in our favor, right? But the scripture calls us to a space that says on this planet, they will not always be in your favor. Not because God is somehow affecting some tragic story for you because he thinks it's fun to see you squirm. It's right. because this is planet death and sin still infects uh, the creation and our bodies. And so there's going to be brokenness that then leads to circumstances that break things. Um, and, and so that's just, that's just a reality. When those realities come our way, there are three primary scriptures that I fall back on for myself and what I bring to the table for others when we are in these kinds of spaces. There are scriptures that have become very dear to my heart and are the foundation truths on which I go sit on when the sand under my feet is shifting. And I, under that sand, go and stand on a rock that says, Stand here hmm. on these truths so that you won't forget that your well-being has been established by the redemptive work of Jesus, both for your future and your present, and not by the lack of good circumstances in your current reality. So those three scriptures, and there's more than three by every <laughs> sense, there's more than three, but these three have been dear to me. The first is in Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Um, in verses one through three. And uh, I, I love this particular passage because it speaks to what you said earlier that for thousands of years, um, there have been many, many believers that have had to walk through many, many circumstances right. uh, that are equally uh, challenging or even oftentimes more so or less so, but just different. And, and I love this because the, the book of Hebrews chapter 11 is an extraordinary chapter going through what we lovingly call the hall of faith. Right. All of these people that and, and it's I love Hebrews 11 because and the reason Hebrews 12 1 through 3 is such a pre precious passage to me in the midst of circumstances when I feel unraveled by circumstances and my well-being is being undone by circumstances or I am placing my well-being's hope in a circumstance right. if then right yeah then I come back to this because Hebrews 11 lists out this long list of people but what I love about the list is it's not like here's a list of people that got the great circumstances right. because they were faithful and they followed the formula. 
they prayed this way, did these things, and then God blessed them mm -hmm. with lovely wealth and whatever else. No, 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 no. As a matter of fact, it goes back and forth because it also doesn't give us sort of a poverty theology or sure. suffering theology. Here's a list of all the people that suffered the most right? because they are the Hall of Famers. Right. No, 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 no. Uh, it, it, it actually says, and I, I, I love this, uh, in its little summary, verse 35 of chapter 11 goes, be well, and they are given back to you. Yeah. Wow. Amazing some, circumstance. Yeah. Some were tortured. Huh. Yeah, no, not, not so much. Refused to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. So that, was, that was a tough list. Yes, right and, then, and then here it is. Uh, some... Um, some through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to fight. See, I like that list. That's the one. <laughs> That's a list. You know, like, come on now. These verses uh, are back-to-back. Are -back. Verses 33 through 35 is awesomeness, and then 36 uh, through 38 is some suffered a great deal. Right. But he's putting them together to land on uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, because in verse 39 of 11, it says, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. In other words, the fullness of Jesus arriving. They were all waiting for the Messiah. But we, we have received that promise. Now listen to this. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, in other words, considering Hebrews 11, and the circumstances that so many have walked through, both beautiful and brutal. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, in other words, since we've seen this for centuries, for millennia, let us also, I love that, also, let us also, like them, mm -hmm. lay aside every weight mm. and sin which clings so closely, the mm. temptation to have idols that we place our hope in for our well-being, and let us run with endurance yeah. the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, in other words, for the promise of redemption that he knew he was effecting, uh, endured the cross, yeah. despising its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Yeah. So, so I hold on to that passage in regularity mm. when I find my soul placing its hope for well-being in a particular outcome of a particular set of circumstances. Sure. Because I will do that often. Why? Because circumstances affect my well-being. They just do. I'm not some transcendent human that is unaffected by any circumstance. I'm very affected by circumstances, as are all of us. Right. But when I allow that impact of circumstance to cause me to begin to believe that therefore my well-being is dependent on that circumstance having a particular outcome, then I will never be well. And the gospel affords me a hope and affords me a clarity that says you can be well regardless of circumstances because what has made you well is now a clarity of a greater story and the redemptive work of Jesus. Right. And so that, that passage, super duper helpful for me. Mm. It's like many have, like them, cast off the weight and the sin and fix your eyes on Jesus. The other passage 
that I absolutely run to whenever the circumstances begin to try and trick me into believing that my well-being is dependent on them is the book of James, the very next book. James mm. chapter 1, mm. uh, verses uh, 2 through 4, some of my favorite. Um, James is writing, obviously, at this point into a historical context that's very difficult. Yeah. Um, James, the disciple of Jesus, lost his head to Herod. Uh, first apostle to lose his life. So now you're like, whoa, they're not immune to the persecution. Uh, Peter is arrested, escapes prison by the hand of an angel. Um, but it, it, there's a lot of anxiety there for the church. The church is scattered under massive persecution. Persecution is rising in Jerusalem where James, the half-brother of Jesus, is in leadership over the church. And that James writes a letter to the earliest New Testament church because he addresses it to the 12 tribes dispersed, right? So we, we, we don't need, he doesn't even know that the Gentiles are in play yet. Yeah, That's yeah. how early on this it's is. Really early, yeah. And his very first statement coming into the gates of this letter. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know, now, now he tells us why, because your first inclination is, is this spiritual pixie dust? Right, like why? Would Whatever's it? happening, just be joyful. Right. No, 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 he says. For you know something, what do you know? That the testing or refining of your faith produces steadfastness, solidness, steadiness, Stability, all those words are wrapped into steadfastness, a steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Mm. And so I, I, I love that James reminds me and the Spirit of God reminds me through James that when I'm facing trials that are those that the outcomes are are, are antithetical to my well-being. They oppose my well-being. That I can say, I know something bigger now. What, what do I know that's bigger? That my, my faith is going to be refined. In fact, my faith is going to be proven or my faith is going to be improved, not by a work of my own for God, by a, but by a work of God through trial. So when trial comes that God doesn't uh, necessitate like sometimes he will bring things into our lives both difficult and and easy but a lot of times the world just brings difficult things God doesn't have to there's plenty of them and he says when they come though they were intended for your destruction know, know something now God is doing something with them that is extraordinary and beautiful mm -hmm. he will refine your faith so that it will produce steadfastness for you I, I love this dynamic I will refine your faith through this trial intended for your destruction so that your faith might produce steadfastness in you so that you will feel steady. Hmm. It's, it's, it's literally the opposite of why we want our well-being in a circumstance. Because we want to feel steady. We want to feel steady. Right. If, if that circumstance occurs, then I'll be steady. Right. I'll be stable. I'll be safe. Safety is a drive of the human soul. Sure. And, and a circumstance that is good and right will give me safety. Mm -hmm. But what he's saying is, it doesn't matter anymore. Yes, some of those circumstances will produce stability in of themselves. But when the ones come that don't, the trials, don't, don't, don't fret. Find joy because now good circumstances will bring stability. And bad circumstances will bring God's work of refining, which will bring about stability. So you're going to be stable, 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 stable. Hmm. And, and I come back to that verse to remind my soul, not that the circumstance is going to turn out fine, but that however it turns out, my stability is not dependent on its outcome. Hmm. 
And then the final passage that I run to is in 1 Peter, which actually expands on what James just said here, which I love. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter is writing um, and in, in similar form, unpacking the gospel. And then uh, he gets to uh, verse 6, and he says this, In this you rejoice, though now... So, so listen, to him. okay, I'm going to give you something to rejoice in. Though now, for a little while... Planet Earth. He doesn't mean a little while like for five minutes today. Planet Earth, if necessary, so he also states there, God is not just making you miserable. There will come times, if necessary, because you're living on mission, if necessary, because the circumstances of a broken world are affecting you, or if necessary, that God is allowing some difficulty to come. Any of those are possible. Mm. Uh, in this you now rejoice that though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Now, this is what I love. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm. So what is, what is Peter saying? He's saying what James said. When you face difficulty now, you should know that you can rejoice in that difficulty, not in the difficulty itself, the circumstance itself. It's worth grieving. You've been grieved by it. That's he literally uses that language. But what you can rejoice in is that that will now do something by God's hand. Mm. And what will it do? Refine your faith, which James said, but now Peter takes it a step further. Prove the genuineness of your faith. Mm. So he's saying not only will it refine it, it will show you that your faith was authored by God. Well, where do I get that? Back in Hebrews chapter 12 that I said was my other favorite. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author or the founder of your faith. So here we're in the space where I'm reminded by these three separate passages. My faith is given to me by Jesus. Many men and women before me have used that faith and endured great circumstances and been well despite unwell circumstances. I have that faith, and that faith will be refined through circumstances that are difficult to create stability or steadfastness, and not only refined, but in that refining and that stability will prove to me that my faith is genuine, that he gave me, so that I can be even more stable in that not that I don't have to fear that my faith might fail me, because my faith is not mine, it's his, and it's stable because he's refining it, and it's proving itself to me, so that he will get glory and honor and praise as my faith brings glory and honor and praise to him and to all of us. Hmm. I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. Now I redirect my vision to that circumstance that was tempting my soul to find its well-being in a specific outcome. And I can now be free of that and say, I will, I will participate in you circumstance. I will fight for a good outcome because that's what I get to do. I'm a redemptive player in the story because Jesus is with me and his spirit is in me. So I'm going to, I'm going to fight for a, a good political outcome. I'm going to fight for the healing of a cancer. I'm going to fight for the saving of a life of a person who's, who, who's struggling. If a circumstance in the world is causing difficulty, I'm going to fight to undo it by bringing justice to injustice. Whatever it might so be. So you're not just surrendering I, no. to circumstance because, again, these trials if necessary, yeah. right? The, yeah. the God is not just throwing trial after trial after trial or negative circumstance or difficult circumstance yeah. our way just for the sake. That's right. And so you're you're fighting for good outcome. Yeah, you're good fight, outcome, good fight, circumstances. Because yeah, they also bring stability and they also are helpful. I like good circumstances. Sure. I don't have a suffering gospel or a right. suffering theology. 
I have a theology that says I am simultaneously passionate about being a participant in bringing about good circumstances while I am not dependent on circumstances being good to be well. And that must be a constant uh, combination in me. My well-being is founded in something other than circumstances, but my fight for good circumstances is not diminished by my well-being. And I think beyond a fight for good circumstances, we're we're fighting to bring the kingdom of God to bear. That's right. On on That's earth, right. which the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace yep. and joy in the Holy Spirit. Right. That's the kingdom of God as the Scripture defines it. So our fight is to to be participants in redemption it's to do justice that's right that's walk right. humbly with our god that's and right. to love mercy if that's that's what we're doing and we're, not, we're justice, not just trying to make no, our circumstances no good. our motive is not good circumstances but the result of justice is and the result of mercy better are good, are better circumstances right. i mean let's be honest um if if indeed uh, we brought justice to every injustice in the world right now. Yeah. And we brought mercy to every circumstance in the world. And we came with humility to every process in the world. If all of our politicians were humble and we were all humble toward them and toward each other, I'm just going to suggest yeah. that we might have a better set of circumstances. Yeah, things would be so, better. But we would still have... But then, there, you know, yes, uh, there, disasters and tragedy. Right. And th- this is a simple and that planet. Is, that it's is planet the world. Death, that right? is the world. And so we're not... So, we're not ever going to be in a place where our circumstances are all no, right around us, but we are able to be in a place where we bring the kingdom of God to bear. That's right. And you know, when I ask that question of you, how do you, how do you have that perspective in moments like, you know, we face on this planet from time to time? How do you have that? You went to three key scriptures for you. And this, I think, is a really good, like, um, connection point to what you talked about this last Sunday when we walked through um, Ephesians 4 where Paul is saying you're, you're not let's not do this the Gentile way let's put on the new self and let's do this this uh, by the renewed spirit of our minds that that um, that this life that we face that we're called to live with a different perspective an eternal perspective a kingdom perspective a Jesus focused perspective but how do we get to that it's through scripture I, I love uh, this is a, a book called uh, Evangelical Theology. It was written by uh, Michael Byrd, and he's talking about the problem of evil. And we live in a world that is evil, and a lot of people wrestle. I mean, one of the, we've talked before, like one of the main questions we get as pastors is, how do I reconcile a good God who's all-powerful mm-hmm. in the world that we live in, yep. right? Um, but, but here's what he says. He says that the scriptures, and this is what you're talking about, going to the scriptures, Uh, in the midst of our circumstances and letting them reshape our thoughts. He says, the scriptures are filled with stories, proverbs, laments, prophetic oracles, psalms, discourses, and visions about evil and how it relates to God. So this is not, like the Bible, it's like like latent with all of this content. It's not like the Bible shirks away at that concept of a good God in an evil world. Um, He says, Genesis... uh, uh, and Job, Proverbs and Romans, as well as Jonah and Revelation, all have something to say about evil in our world and God's response to it. The biblical authors did not exist in a world remote from suffering or discuss it only in the abstract. Instead, Scripture presents to us an anthology of voices of the victims who have suffered. I mean, you just read uh, you know, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, victims who have suffered, not the least of all, the Son of God himself. 
Um, instead, the biblical accounts are uncensored and unsanitized accounts of the reality of suffering and evil. Also, the biblical authors point us to God as the only ultimate source of our hope to overcoming evil. That's right. And, and that brings me then, that perfect clarity brings me then to, I think, what my final piece of scripture always is in, in solidifying my ability to experience hard circumstances and yet find it well with my soul. And that is Revelation 21, right? Yeah. So, so I go there in my head. I, I have that little passage clear in my head. All these passages I just mentioned, by the way, all of them have been memorized by me at some point in my past, so I have them in my head. The only reason I even read them is because I've memorized them in different versions. Uh, and yeah, so it drives me crazy. Sometimes I'll, but, but I can in my head go to James 1, 2 through 4, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, uh, uh, 1 Peter uh, 1, um, 6 through 8, and Revelation 21. I can go and I can repeat it to myself because, and I would highly encourage you, take passages that are go-tos and embed them in your mind so that you, they are just there for you. But Revelation uh, 21, again, this beautiful space that reminds us that when John saw the new heaven and the new earth uh, arrive and God's throne uh, was, was present and, and this voice said, behold, he will be your God and you will be his people. Mm-hmm. And then I love that literally God himself, a voice comes from him and he's like, I, I'm going to make all things new. Mm. And, and so I am reminded that this is not a battle between evil and God, and I'm hopeful that he's going to prevail, or that God is going to win in the future, but right now he's just struggling to affect that win. It just takes time. That's a human concept. God just needs a little more time. He's going to win, but, you know, evil's pretty strong, and so he's just, you know, he just needs some time. No, no, the only reason God is tolerating evil, period, end of story, the only reason is his patient forbearance for the saints he is rescuing. That's it. In other words, because we are infected by sin and our souls are infected by sin, whenever he destroys evil, any human not yet redeemed is also going to be part of that destruction. And so God goes, I have a people I am rescuing over a period of time. That time when it comes to its end, I will promise you then I will eradicate evil. So I love this sense that I today in 2020 am a person that had the privilege of receiving the gospel and knowing Jesus because he didn't decide in 1813 that he was done with sin. He has been patiently forbearing to give me the opportunity to know him and you and others and will continue until he has the full number number that he has intended to rescue. And, and, And so in that sense, what's beautiful to me in that is this, that I am reminded in the midst of circumstances that beg to question uh, my faith in God being my well-being and not the circumstances outcome, I get to say back to that circumstance, one, in the present, James, Hebrews, 1 Peter, you are now not affecting destruction on me anymore. In fact, you are only proving the genuineness of my faith. Thank you so much. But by the way, you also will come to your end 
and when he makes all things new, there will be no more tears, not even tears of the past. So for example, there were tears when Bella died a year ago, and there are tears again today in remembrance of that. You with me? Mm -hmm. But when God wipes away the tears in our eyes in Revelation 21, he, he says the Greek, Greek idea is that he goes behind the eye and he takes the reason for the tear away. So we will not even suffer insofar as a remembrance of and therefore suffering in the remembrance. Right. It will just be well. Hmm. And so I'm like, that's coming. That is our future. So I am both hopeful in the future and content and hopeful in the present, regardless of circumstances and the outcome, though I am in, impacted by those circumstances and I emotionally feel unraveled by those circumstances. I'm not some emotional wall. I, I don't have to have my well-being robbed of me because right. of that circumstance. Right. And so I enter this election year. I don't know who's going to be voted in as president. I used to be able to guess, but the last 50 years has proven that that's... Uh, uh, futile uh, journey. And so I wait. I jump in. I vote. I express my opinion gently and with grace because, frankly, if I do it stupid and mean and tell other, all other people on the planet they suck because they don't agree with me, then it still won't change the outcome of what's going to play out in the election, but it will sure change the way that I carried the gospel into it, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to carry the gospel well into these spaces with grace, but I want to state opinion and I want to encourage people to think through things so that they vote rightly uh, and then whenever it comes whomever is in I will then wake up the next morning and go okay my well-being is no more or less uh, well than yesterday because of this but it is now going to create a space in which I need to make the gospel beautiful in a slightly different way than I would have if it was the other space and that is true in any circumstantial outcome yeah. and then we begin to live free of the fear and anxiety that is often stirred up because of a potential coming circumstance. So worry, the idea of worrying, don't worry about tomorrow. It's not God saying, don't worry, it's gonna be fine. It's him saying, when you understand that your well-being is tied to me and not to that, then you can participate without anxiety and fear of the outcome because mm -hmm. the outcome won't change your well-being. And hence back to when peace like a river attendeth my soul, or when sea billows roll, I have learned, you have taught me to say, not, not only have I learned, but you've taught me to say, it, it is well with my soul. So Bella did a, an amazing job of living that out as a 10-year-old. It's amazing. As a 10-year-old. Yeah. And so I think if she could do it as a 10-year-old because she knew Jesus, then we can certainly do it as adults. Yeah. Uh, because we know more frankly, of Jesus than Bella did mm. insofar as our intellectual ability to understand it. Yeah. And yet, he made it well with her soul yeah. in circumstances that were horrific. Yeah, because we share the same spirit. Because we share the same yeah. spirit. And That's the right. same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lived in Bella and lives inside of us. That's right. And he's given us his word. He's given us That's right. uh, all that we need That's to right. be able to, to not just... Um, see that our circumstances are temporary, but to live within the lot that he's given us yes. and our souls be well in the midst of that. Right. And I think, I think this has been a great reminder for right. us. And in the world that we're living in today, um, you know, we are just a push notification uh, on our phone away from the next tragedy, the next news. We're just a doctor's visit away. We are just yep. a phone call yep. away. 
Um, we are just uh, a moment away That's right. um, from the next difficult circumstance or wonderful, beautiful That's circumstance. Right. And we, we don't are, know fully. Yeah. And so we live either in the bondage of the not knowing yeah. because the circumstance and its outcome determines my well-being yeah. or the freedom of the not knowing because my well-being is tied to something I do know right. that has nothing to do with what happens tomorrow. Mm. And that's why I think what, what Bella the Brave, as we uh, lovingly learned to call her, embodied was best day ever. Yeah. Why is it the best day ever, Bella? Well, it's certainly not because the circumstances are awesome, right. but it's because I'm going to be okay regardless. Mm. And so let's do that. Let's, let's honor this anniversary by walking into whatever circumstances stand before you, whether it be a fire approaching your home uh, that may or may not burn your home down, whether it be a, 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 a question about a loved one who is struggling with a circumstance that might cause their demise, and we don't know whether it will or not, or whether it be an economic reality, no job on the horizon and not knowing, or whether it be a sense of, my life is fine, should I feel guilty about that? No, no, no. Whatever you face, whatever trials you face, uh, remember this, what makes it the best day ever is not the outcome or current reality of that circumstance. It is that we know what we know of the gospel. Yeah. And so we can walk into any circumstance. Hence Paul's statement, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not I can win the sports game. It's that I can find peace in any circumstance because he has already given me every reason to be at peace. That's good. So you pray for us and we'll close our time. You pray. Oh, me pray. Yeah, yeah. God, I think of my friends who have just packed up a few boxes in a car um, of what they feel might be important things and left their property, not knowing when they return, whether they will find a property burned to the ground or a property standing as it once was. I think of my friends who are waiting to see if a little one-year-old will come back to life, if you will, in many ways, um, in a circumstance they could not have imagined possible. I think of um, so many of my friends who are wrestling through the realities of a loved one that has COVID-19 and that might be vulnerable in some ways and wondering whether or not it's going to have negative impact. I, I think of the circumstances of an election that is unfolding that is going to stir up tremendous hatred and insanity in our cultural context, uh, d divisiveness, um, and then uh, an outcome that many are deeply afraid of one way or the other. I think of the racial divide that has been so massively um, amplified and extended as we fight through what racial reconciliation looks like. I pray for all these things and all these people, that you would come, that you would whisper through your word and by your spirit the wonders of your power, your grace, your mercy, your promises, not only for the uh, future, but for the here and now. Uh, may you comfort, may you protect. God, we pray for good circumstances and all those things because we don't want houses to burn down and we don't want loved ones to die and we don't want uh, terrible political realities to unfold one way or the other. We don't want 
uh, racial diversity, uh, not diversity, uh, division. We, we don't want these things. So we pray for your intervention in those circumstances to bring about better ones, but we also pray for you to help us live at peace regardless of the outcome of any of them and fight with passion for justice, for peace and mercy and well-being for our city and our world because you have told us, pray for their well-being for in their well-being you will find your own well-being as well. Hmm. So we know that and we want that for them so that they will know you just as we know you. We love you, Jesus. Pray in your precious name. Amen. Good to be with you, Joel. Good to be with all of you. Love being with you guys, and we'll see you soon.